Hello and welcome to EduTalks, the educational innovation podcast at the University of Twente. Live from the campus studio, I'm your host Robin van Emmeloot, and today we'll be accelerating our digitalization. Let's play the saxophone. With the whole pandemic happening around the world, our digitalization has been in an acceleration. And however, before this pandemic, there was already an acceleration plan in working, and which might sound like a conspiracy in hindsight. <laughs> Regardless, this acceleration plan was aimed to help with a much needed digitalization in education. And uh, my guest today is someone who has in fact educated me a very long time ago in a uh, galaxy far away. Uh, but she's none other than a professor and doctor. And this is uh, Kim Schildkamp. Thank you for being in the podcast today. Thank you all. for having me. Yeah, welcome. So uh, yeah, I, I looked a bit around on LinkedIn on the profile to see what I can ask you questions about. And that's a whole list of themes on, on data and education and uh, on formative assessment to just name a few. But uh, today I want to focus on the acceleration plan, which uh, for our Dutch colleagues might be better known as the Versnellingsplan. Het versnellingsplan, de het. <laughs> um, if I, if I may first ask you, if, what is the acceleration plan in, in your own wording? Um, yeah, this was uh, originated a couple of years ago when uh, several organizations, uh, the universities of the Netherlands, the universities of applied sciences in the Netherlands uh, and SURF um, came to the conclusion that we are doing too little in our education with digitalization. Uh, and if we want to keep on improving the quality of education, if we want to stay ahead of the line, uh, then we need to make more use of digitalization. And that led to the birth of the acceleration plan. And indeed, uh, before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, before the pandemic. So yes. I, I might really assume that, that the whole pandemic has accelerated it even more then. Well, definitely. Uh, one of the, uh, the acceleration plan consists of different zones. Uh, we call them zones, but these are uh, like different teams that different people work on. So there's, for example, evidence-informed uh, educational innovation. There is uh, data use in education. There's human capital, to give a couple of examples. And I chair the zone called Facilitating Professional Development of Teachers. And one of our big goals was how do we um, connect to all of the lecturers in the Netherlands? Because you all always have the early adopters, the front runners, the people that like to experiment with digitalization and education. Uh, but as we said in our zone, these people at one point in time look behind their shoulder and see that nobody is following them. Mm -hmm. So we call them the sad front runners. So our main question was, how do we um, connect to the 50,000 lecturers that we have at universities and universities of applied sciences in the Netherlands? Well, the answer was a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we need more pandemics is the answer. No, please not. <laughs> but it did help. It did help uh, with our work. Uh, and we want to help organizations with facilitating the professional development of lecturers. And where before the pandemic, not all the organizations were really on board. Not all of the teachers were that willing to experiment with digitalization. And during the pandemic, everybody was looking at us like, help, how can you yeah. help us? What can you do? So that really helps uh, with our work in actually supporting other organizations in doing this. And does that mean that, that the original trajectories you set out as a zone uh, changed because of the course of the pandemic? 
Um, I wouldn't say changed uh, because we had uh, one one very clear goal uh, after a long, long discussion. Uh, I can add we had we work with people from eighteen different organizations, universities, and universities for applied sciences. And this is all in the Netherlands, or also with Belgium or Germany. No. All in the Netherlands. Netherlands. But you can imagine the first couple of meetings that we had with groups of over 20 people. You talk about educational innovation. You talk about ICT. You talk about professional development of lecturers. Well, 20 people, more than 20 different ideas and opinions. So we had a long discussion, like, are we focusing on educational innovation? Are we focusing on ICT? Are we focusing on the facilitating part? Are we focusing on the lecturers and the professional development? And the end of that long discussion, which actually took months, <laughs> we realized that it's not about educational innovation as a goal. It's not about digitalization or ICT as a goal, but it's about improving the quality of education. And once we said that, we all agreed. And then we started working on, okay, how can we improve the quality of education using educational innovation with ICT? And that led to several very concrete ideas and in the end also concrete products. And those really did not change during the pandemic. What uh, did change slightly, especially now we are coming to an end, is um, a focus on sustainability. Because you already see it happening now. We're out of the lockdowns and the situation has improved. And some people uh, discovered that they really liked uh, ICT and are are continuing to use it and are continuing to be innovative. But you also see people going back to the way it was before the pandemic. So we're really thinking now about um, two things, dissemination. Have we actually reached everyone? And sustainability, how can we make sure that we keep on uh, using ICT to improve the quality of education? Yeah, you really want to keep up that momentum you just got from the whole pandemic. Everyone had to work with it now yeah see what what you can gain from all of it yeah and i mean we've learned how to not do certain things i mean some things did not work so i'm not saying that we have to sustain everything that we did during the pandemic but finding that balance between uh, for example face-to-face and online um, i think it's a pity if we go back to completely face-to-face because we've uh, seen that there are many uh, good ways to also do online activities so it's about that balance or as is very popular these days, that blend. The blend, yeah. <laughs> Blended learning. We, yes. we can't stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of the things that we are working on with our zones as well, as we do believe that that's uh, very, it's going to be very important yeah. for the future. Yeah, and uh, you already talked about, about different products that you, you're working on. And um, this has been over a span of now three years, if I'm correct. Three and a half. Three yes. and a half years now, and then uh, finishing it uh, this year. Yeah. And uh, what, what products are still to be expected then in this half year? Um, we are working on a couple of things. Uh, I think the first thing uh, which I'm very excited about is uh, we talked about blended education. Uh, we have developed several professional development uh, interventions mm-hmm. uh, that organizations can uh, use, can adapt to their own context or even cherry pick aspects out of it. Uh, one of the um, professional development interventions is on a blended education. Uh, and that one is very popular, but we also realize that organizations need support at different levels to really come to that optimal blend. So at the end of next month, we are launching a new toolkit, uh, how to blend your education with different instruments 
for example, at the organization level, at the program level, but also at the individual teacher level. So it has a lot of different instruments for different stakeholders to help them realize that perfect blend. Yeah, and, and these toolkits are meant for like individual teachers or teaching teams. How, how can they use it? Uh, it's different. So you can use the toolkit uh, with your entire program. There are instruments in there that uh, help you develop a vision for uh, what you want to do within your program with blended learning. But there are also tools in there for individual t- teachers that are going to develop uh, their module or their course. Uh, what do they need and how we can support them? So it really offers, it's a big toolkit, I can mm. tell you that. And it offers a lot of instruments and a lot of different types of support from how to design blended education to how to implement it, to uh, help you uh, form a vision to different types of instruments for different uh, people. And actually pulling together because we like to work evidence informed. So this is also really based uh, on research. We looked at the literature, we work with researchers, One of uh, my own PhD students, Lin Lin Pai, is, for example, doing her PhD on blended education. She has also contributed to this toolkit. Um, So we really like to do it as evidence informed as possible so that other people don't have to start from scratch, but they can just look at the toolkit and see what they can use to do this. And what I, what I find very fascinating personally, you, you just mentioned uh, Lynn in this case and the different aspects that are going into blended learning in this case, that it's not just purely about the instructional side of it all, of how can you make a video for instruction, but it's really about the social aspect as well. Yes. Since, since that's something we really learned from, from the pandemic. That, yes. Yeah. Well, we've, we've all seen the headlines of students feeling depressed, of the loneliness of sitting at home all day, online lecturing. And how you can really incorporate that in online education, blended education. Yeah. And that's uh, the focus of uh, Lynn Lynn's PhD. And um, she looked at the literature and we already collected some data. And based on that, we also formulated some guidelines to pay attention to that social aspect. So that's also in the toolkit. Yeah, and that's something I find very fascinating as as uh, I've worked in, in special needs education personally before working here as an educational consultant. And I've really seen that the social side of education is so important, and especially for our students in, in uh, special needs education, yeah. but as well in our higher education, the whole campus facilities uh, is coming together of it all. But seeing how you can incorporate that in your educational design might not specifically be in your job requirements. But yeah, I, I always think it's a part of your job in, in the end as well to facilitate that. Yeah, and I think it's crucial. Uh, we know from different learning theories that that social part is crucial for learning. Um, to give you an example that I really like, I study data use in education. And I came across this project that I was really excited about initially because uh, it was uh, individual students Uh, based on data, get their really uh, individualized learning trajectories. So every day they would go to school, sit behind the computer and got real life feedback from the system. Uh, Based on data, it was decided what their program looked like for that day. Uh, So I thought, wow, because it's really difficult to realize individualized Mm -hmm. learning. You know how many students we have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always thought it was impossible, but then I came across that project. I thought, wow, that is really exciting. But then I read the evaluation and it turned out that the project failed. Mm -hmm. It did not uh, really contribute to the learning of students. And the researchers, they found that that was because it neglected the social part of learning. 
they said for students, and especially this was, I don't know, primary or secondary education, I don't remember. But for students, learning together with your peers is very important. Well, if you have completely individualized trajectories, uh, that's gone. And also uh, the relationship with your teacher yeah. matters. And they didn't have a fixed teacher. They did a lot of behind the computer every now and then they saw a teacher, but different teachers. So that social aspect of learning, that relationship aspect was completely gone. And the researchers hypothesized that that is why uh, it did not work. If we're going back to the acceleration plan, um, we mentioned a bit about how it got started, what, what the need for it was, but how did you personally get involved? Um when the acceleration plan started, uh, all of the universities were asked if they wanted to participate. And our university, also being a technical university, of mm. course, said, okay, this is something that we need to participate in. So they looked at the different uh, education departments at this university and they talked to different people if there was anyone there who would be willing to participate or perhaps even lead one of the zones. And then they found me. <laughs> <laughs> And it was a bit funny because I was asked if I would be willing to apply for leading one of the zones because we also said, well, what if we participate, then we are going to participate fully and we mm-hmm. want to take the lead. And then I said, well, um, I do a lot of work in professional development uh, of teachers and lecturers, so I feel comfortable in that area. But digitalization is not really my area, so I am not sure if I'm the right person for the job but the people here convinced me that the focus should be professional development Mm -hmm. and quality of education so i decided well i can apply for the job because it was uh you had to apply for chairing a zone like with a a job interview and everything uh so i said during that interview that i know a lot about professional development that i felt comfortable in that area but not so much the digitalization area But they said that that was actually quite good because that was the main focus. Like Mm -hmm. we also said with our zone, it's about the quality of education and digitalization is a tool. It's not a a goal uh, in the end. Uh, And I guess they liked my interview because (laughs) I got the the job and it's uh, two days a week. And it turned out really good uh, because uh, our zone has a lot of members. uh, uh, It's the biggest zone. So they said, well, perhaps it might be a good idea if you have two persons that share the zone and I thought that's a really good idea and it ended up perfectly because my colleague actually knows a lot about digitalization uh, in education and he works as the University of Applied Sciences so we are a perfect combination. (laughs) (laughs) And what have you learned from him so far? What's the the takeaways in your digitalization now? Uh, Well I've learned that there are many ways to look at uh, digitalization. I had I have to admit I had kind of a narrow view on ICT and education. Also maybe I I studied it a bit uh, when I was doing my uh, well doctorandus but now bachelor Mm -hmm. uh, I suppose and I didn't really like the course I had on it so and it was really narrow but Uh, Also the way he sees it, it's like a tool that you can use to improve the quality of education and also really aligned actually to my own fields, which I I never made the link, but Mm -hmm. data uh, comes from (laughs) systems, uh, formative assessment, um, digital peer feedback, for example, can be really helpful. So I have a much broader perspective on what ICT in education means now. 
Yeah, you really change your own perspective in that yes. way. Yes, yeah. I'm also learning a lot. <laughs> I have learned a lot. <laughs> it's almost a professional learning community. <laughs> it, well, actually, in some way. Uh, it is. Uh, I think it actually has like all the, the criteria yeah. uh, that we use for professional learning communities. Yes. <sighs> um, so... Um, Looking forward on the exhilaration plan. It's uh, now going to be finished in 2022. That means there's a lot of products and the sustainability on that is important. What's next? Um, well, of course, there's uh, the Groeifonds, growth, growth Funds. I don't know yeah. how to call it in English. but uh, And I think as a university, we want to participate uh, in that one as well. Is this a brief overview for everyone who doesn't know the Groeifonds, what it is? Uh, it also focuses on digitalization and how to make use of digitalization to yeah. improve uh, the quality of education, but also the wider society. So it's a little bit broader uh, than the acceleration plan. It's a lot bigger yeah. <laughs> than the acceleration plan. And I think there are a couple of things that we're looking at. Uh, a lot of the, the products, for example, that we've developed with the acceleration plan can be used in the Groeifonds. I will call it Groeifonds because yeah. I don't know how to call it in English. While we were talking about the Groeifonds and looking for the correct English pronunciation, we meant the National Growth Fund and specifically the Digitaliseringsimpulse for Education, the Digitalization Impulse. You can read more about this program on digitaliseringsimpulse.nl. Now, let's continue with the show. And there are also some questions that are still open uh, that we want to continue uh, focusing on. What are these, these sort of questions in, the sort of teams or, uh, you want to um, focus on? Yeah, well, for example, if you take our professional development interventions, the way we've developed it and it seems to work is that we um, ask different people within different universities, what are your current needs? What do you need support in? And over the years, that led to uh, our formative assessment, professional development intervention, uh, the learning analytics, uh, the digital peer feedback. Um, and uh, artificial intelligence is our latest one, uh, which we are actually we're going to do a hackathon uh, at this university in October, which is really nice. But it's really based on the needs uh, of the people uh, at the universities. Mm -hmm. And that way of working using some of our other products and developing these interventions, I think is something that we want to keep on doing. And we keep getting requests like, for example, virtual reality is something that people uh, are looking at at the moment. Well, instead of every university developing their own uh, professional development interventions for virtual reality, why not do it uh, together in an evidence-informed manner? And I think there are new techniques that we may want to use in education that we don't even know of now. I mean, 10 years ago, mm. I've never heard of virtual reality. <laughs> uh, and it's now something that has potential and there might be other things as well. Um, so that's one of the things that we hope to be able to continue uh, and, and for you personally what would you really like to focus on uh, well my chair uh, here at the university is data informed decision making for learning and development uh, so i'm really interested in everything that has to do with data uh, getting more interested in the field of artificial intelligence as well uh, and one of the focus area of the Groeifonds will also be uh, a transformation hub as they call it on data and ai Mm -hmm. in education so i'm definitely following that but professional development of lecturers is of course also of interest so uh, everything is in preparation now for the start uh, and uh, i'm collaborating with the people to see which way it goes and hopefully 
can represent our university in it in the future. And, and you just mentioned the hackathon in, in between, um, maybe as a short promotion. Yes. I think it's open for uh, anyone to participate, right? Yes, it's uh, it's one of our professional development interventions. Uh, and we have a, a lot of different types of professional development intervention. Depending on the topic, we try to design something that really fits. So one of our uh, professional development interventions uh, takes the shape of a professional learning community, as we just talked about. Uh, another one uh, is more uh, more traditional uh, workshop training mm-hmm. kind of professional development intervention. But with the artificial intelligence one, we thought, okay, so what is it that we want lecturers uh, to learn uh, from this intervention? What do people need to know about AI? And we realized it's not so much about how to actually use, develop AI in your own education. I think that's one level too high. Mm-hmm. But it's more uh, having knowledge on what uh, might be possible in the future. Um, perhaps an outcome is being more positive about the the opportunities that AI offers and also uh, be more aware of the challenges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It cannot fix everything. So we decided that the form of a hackathon might be really nice. And this hackathon is on uh, feedback in education um, and you form a team. Uh, it's for primary, secondary, vocational and higher education. So you can form uh, a team with colleagues and then you come to the hackathon with a certain case. Uh, for example, is it possible to provide uh, students with automatic feedback on written assignments or uh, how to enhance the quality of peer feedback? Uh, just to give you two examples. And then how can you use AI to achieve these goals? And in your team, you're just going to work on your case uh, with the support of so-called Jedi. Sounds very <laughs> fancy, but these are just AI experts who can help you uh, with what is possible, what is not possible. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. We have a couple of really inspirational speakers and a lot of time to actually work on your own case. So hopefully you take something back to your own organization that you use. And of course, it's here at our beautiful campus. Nice food, nice people. So, yeah. and, and Jedi's apparently. And Jedi's, yes. Yeah, I'm going to be a part of one, as you see. <laughs> <laughs> This reminds me, many years ago, we had a, a lightsaber building contest at the university while I was studying. <laughs> and there's actually still a photo of me around with a lightsaber. Huh? So. Well, do you know a lot about AI? You can become one of our Jedi's. <laughs> Not yet, so I'll be a, a Padawan then. Okay, yeah, you can form a team with your colleagues. <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. Yeah. As a final note, I wanted to, uh, like I briefly mentioned in the beginning, uh, many years ago while I was doing my uh, bachelor's program, I did a minor program, Leren Lesgeven, getting uh, your teaching degree at the university. Then I had my uh, own educational degree because of that, and uh, you did some of the lectures during that program. I'm very fascinated, uh, very much in the beginning. How did you once get interested in all of education? Um, that's, we have to go way back when I was still in high school. Um, Were there color TVs back then? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, thank you very much. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study. And I really liked education. And I first thought I wanted to be a teacher. So I went to the open days of uh, the teacher training college for primary education because I thought I wanted to be a primary school mm-hmm. teacher. And at those open days, I realized I like education, but I don't think I see myself 
at, as a teacher, I thought I lacked the patience. <laughs> um, so I decided I wanted something else. So I talked to our um, study council at my high school about the different options that were available related to education, but not uh, being a teacher. And he basically came with two options. One was um, pedagogy, pedagogique, mm-hmm. and the other was educational science. So I thought that sounds interesting. And in Nijmegen, they offered a joint program. First two years of pedagogy and educational science. And after two years, you decide uh, which your focus is going to be. And I thought I wanted to do a pedagogy and focus on special needs children. And you said mm-hmm. you worked in special needs education. But during my program, I discovered that I really uh, liked educational science. So that's why I did my doctorandus, bachelor's mm-hmm. last master in educational science. And from there on out, uh, all the way now to professor doctor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along what nice journey. <laughs> Along what nice journey. If there's one promise you, you make to students, what, what education should be? What, what would it be? Uh, focused on your own continuous development. So how can we help our students learn also for the future? Not only for my course, but also I really like it if old students sent me an email. Well, I still remember your course and mm-hmm. I used some of it in this or as a follow up, I did this. Uh, just well, my field professional development data use, just keep on learning, yeah. I would say. And then you end up in a podcast episode with them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very nice. It's always so nice to see our former students. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for participating in my podcast. You're very welcome. And uh I'll do a brief outro. Um, Thank you for all of you to listening as well. This uh, podcast was produced by the video team of the University of Twente. And if you want to consult on your own education or check out the latest educational innovation, you can check out the teams I work at, which are the Center of Expertise in Learning and Teaching, better known as CELT, and the team Technology Enhanced Learning and Teaching, also known as TELT. If you want to be part of an episode or have any other comments, feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address, edutalks at u20.nl. And until the next time, I wish you a very good day. 